Welcome to the Educate US podcast with your host, Nick Saveri, Dr. Stacy Schultz, and Dr. Patrice Fenton. Three former teachers and administrators talking about a wide range of topics happening in education. Time to educate us. Today, we're going to be focusing on education law. Most recently, or most crucially, the Parents' Bill of Rights. So, what we're going to do today, I'm laughing a little because as I've been looking at the summary of the bill, which my colleagues are going to be looking at as well, it's been an interesting conversation because what we've seen is this is an effort by Congress, specifically Republicans, if we're going to name names for a minute, because they are currently the majority party in the House, of an effort to be more involved in education, which as citizens, it's nice to think the government is trying to help out. But when you peel back the layers of this particular bill, the question of helpfulness is something that my colleagues are going to speak to a little bit. But more importantly, we're going to take this conversation for the three of us first, and then we're going to bring in a guest that Stacy's going to do an introduction to us, who is someone who is very much on the front lines fighting the good fight for education law and making sure parents are heard. Uh, that, of course, is Ari- Ariel Taylor-Smith of the National Parents Union. Who she is and the work she does, we will be talking about shortly. But first and foremost, to my colleagues, so we're in this interesting space. You know, we have an educate. We have an election coming up in 2024. Right now, we see a majority a, a majority party returning to power, and the first thing they do when it comes to education is what is called the Parents' Bill of Rights. Essentially, for our listeners, the bill outlines some key guidelines about allegedly trying to make sure that parents are able to be heard further in their schools or at their school districts. But what we want to talk about here, though, is when we look at the actual summary of the law, is it actually doing that? And I'm especially interested in talking to my colleagues about this, because for both of you as educators, I'm going to lead here. But some of these things feel like things are already in place, that this doesn't feel new to any school district. But then some of them seem like, are we putting power in the hands of people outside of the practice of education, like practice practicing educators? for the simple fact of trying to essentially reduce their power and authority, or not even so much power, but reduce their influence, like taking power away from those who should be the experts in the field and giving it to those who are not indeed the experts, but those who could be making education a better place, but instead trying to turn that over to others. The example that comes to mind here, and maybe it's a bit extreme, but I will go here, is what we saw in Texas recently or last year, actually, with their anti-abortion laws, where the state itself couldn't do anything legally. But what they did is they started giving parents essentially a hotline to be able to call into their state and report doctors, as chilling as that is. And we have now started to see this in schools where parents are able to contact their school district or their school when they're finding what they consider to be objectionable. And there's a conversation to be had here of, is that appropriate? Is that the direction that when we have the national discussion of education of where we want to be? All that being said, let's talk about the bill for a second. There's a couple of things that are really important that the bill brings up to light. And again, is this new information? I don't necessarily think so, but a couple of bullet points I'm going to share from the summary. So first and foremost, being able to make sure that parents are able to have access to curriculum at their, at their child's school. Uh, spoiler alert, they actually already do. 
Um, knowing if a state alters its challenging academic standards, also currently available. Um, the ability to meet with each teacher of their child at least twice each school year. Reviewing budget, including all revenues and expenditures of their child's school. Um, and then the last one I'll share here is receive information about violent activity in their child's school. Those are a couple of bullet points. So, Stacey, I'm going to go to you first. When you hear me read some of those bullet points or what you're you know, sort of looking at in the summary, what sticks out to you in terms of the thing that shakes that makes you shake your head and say, well, this is already in place. And is this actually beneficial to um, fostering better federal support of, of education in this country? No, it's not going to help. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, no. Um, you know, a lot of the representatives in the House, particularly on the Democratic side, also spoke a lot to this when they were opposing this bill. Um, Hakeem Jeffries and uh, AOC, you know, they spoke a lot to how this isn't really about empowering parents or finding new ways for partnerships. Um, it's in fact, potentially, you know, taking energies and efforts away from where they really need to be to strengthen those, that home to school relationship and partnership. Patrice, just expanding on that, when you look at this laundry list of items, Stacy and, and and I in the, are both in the same camp of like, there's just nothing here that's really all that beneficial. As an educator yourself, though, what really feels missing here when you're thinking of any type of federal oversight of what would be helpful for, for children? I mean, I think the thing that always gets me um, with schools, or I know schools tend to have a challenge, or at least many of the schools that I've engaged, uh, certainly ones I've taught at, and even ones where my, my children attended, was like real authentic parent engagement, um, where parents have a voice and get to be involved in decision-making um, and uh, really get to have a hand in their child's journey through that school. Um, but, I mean, not but, and so what I see here is a faux attempt at that. Um, however, um, there's my butt. <laughs> I, I know that th this is not really the true intent of what we see here. Um, so as an example, uh, parents get to inspect the books and other reading materials in the library of their child's school. Well, we all know that there are book bans that exist. There are all kinds of um, restrictions that are happening around things, very important parts of our history and other things that young people should be learning. Um, as an example, uh, African-American studies and African-American history, black studies, things of that nature, um, ethnic studies, um, things about indigenous folks that folks wanting to teach as part of our history. Um, and those things are being, uh, really basically kept from our young people by folks who seemingly or quote unquote have well intentions, but really it's just, they're just racist. And <laughs> we just want to call it out as that. Um, so it's challenging for me to read these kinds of things and, and be an advocate for parent voice. Because again, if you just read this at face value, that's what this seems to want to get at. But, you know, when you know the truth, it's like, mm, 
that's not what's really happening here, right? There are people who are really just trying to control in their own self-interest and in alignment with their own beliefs and values um, to the detriment of um, so many things that, and so many liberties that we should be uh, enjoying as citizens of this country or so-called citizens of this country. Thanks, Patrice. I really appreciate that you brought up some of the harm that's in this bill. I know, Nick, you asked, like, does this bill provide like sort of this entry point and opportunity? And as we were just discussing, no. And not only that, as Patrice pointed out, it it actually is problematic and points to some harm that can be created for for our children. Stacey, as you were adding on to that point, and Patrice, you were speaking to this too about inspecting books. Stacy, what else stands out to you? Because because this is something that came up to me too. When I was reading through this, harm was a word that came up to me too. Like certainly not that this is helpful. And in fact, many of this, as I was you know playfully saying at the start, is is currently available. I know I could certainly do this. My daughter is in the Eastern Area School District in Pennsylvania. There is nothing here that I am not able to do, and it's not as though. The EASD, Eastern Area School District, it's a good school district, but this is something that I'm familiar with that I could have been able to do when I previously lived in Maplewood, right? Or the Maplewood South Orange School District. So I'm at a loss for what is this actually bringing here, except that it may potentially fueling what we're, you know, what we're recently calling, or as always historically been called, the culture wars. But to either of you here, feel free for either of you to jump in. But when we think of harm, what is something else that's just coming up here that with this in with this in place, and I don't think it's going to pass. Um, that would be, as educators, something that could really feel like a legitimate threat to your profession. Well, I think about teacher autonomy quite a bit. It's certainly something that Stacy and I write about in our book. Um, and I think about folks who will then have the quote unquote right to infringe upon that. Right. So I know one of the things that was my saving grace as a teacher was that we didn't have curriculums that we had to or curricula that we had to adhere to. We were free to teach whatever we thought was best in, in alignment with the standards and things of that nature. So, um, you know, I and it was like I said, my saving grace, it was my ability to really be responsive to the young people, to be responsive to what was happening in real time to really teach to my my students lived experiences, to bring the community into the classroom, to bring them thought-provoking pieces of literature to, to digest, to you know, facilitate um, discourse in the classroom. Um, and so what I see here is an attempt to really hamper that. Um, and so that that's really scary to me. And again, like. I, I, I'm a huge advocate for parents having voice and having a say in what happens in our school buildings, certainly because I am a parent. But even if I wasn't, I think, you know, parents are the experts of, um, you know, their children, as are the children of their own lives. Right. So I, I, I wholeheartedly believe in that power. Um, but this is just it's just it's harmful. It's harmful for not only teachers, but also for young people as well. When we come back after the break, our interview with Ariel Taylor Smith. We had a fantastic conversation with her that we don't want you to miss right after the break. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too 
because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Today we have with us Ariel Taylor-Smith. She is the Senior Director of the MPU Center for Policy and Action. Ariel, can you tell us a little bit about MPU? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, as Stacy said, um, my name is Ariel Taylor-Smith. Um, I'm the Senior Director of Policy and Action at the National Parents Union. Uh, the National Parents Union uh, is a union of parents uh, that represents parents across all 50 states, D.C. and Puerto Rico. Um, and we advocate for working families across the country um, and high quality access to education for all. Um, thank you for having me. Ariel, on that subject of policy, let's just start there, you know, large view nationally for for NPU what are what are you all paying attention to right now as it relates to education and families and more importantly what if you could sort well you have a space here on this show to sort of raise alarms for what we should all be thinking about right now as parents with as parents with kids guardians and such uh children in the school system what should be sort of dominating our conversations right now I mean I think it's no surprise to anyone that kids are farther behind than they have ever been um, since we've been able to track it in the last decade, certainly. Um, about 38% of fourth graders uh, are reading on grade level in the country right now, according to the national assessment um, data. So it's, it's, it's I would say the, the thing that's on top of mind for all of us uh, who are working in education policy right now um, is that our kids are really in need of creative solutions to accelerate their learning as they're moving forward. Uh, however, that's not what's top of mind for a lot of lawmakers right now across the country. Um, unfortunately, we've had to weigh in on a lot of things that really don't concern uh, student progress or academic outcomes at all, including things like the Parent Bill of Rights conversations that are happening across the country, which arguably are not uh, rights for parents or families or students. The majority of them don't even have mention of academic progress for students across the country. Um, instead, they're you know, often attempts to uh, create political polarization in our schools and in our classrooms, which we've been, uh, unfortunately had to spend a lot of time this year opposing across the country. I'm actually really intrigued by that. Um, I think I heard you say that they're actually not really right. Can you say more about that? I think the thing for me is always as a former teacher thinking about the ways to forge stronger partnerships between what's happening in schools and those that are doing work in schools and parents and communities um, and so when I hear something like the Bill of Rights, uh, I'm thinking, oh, okay, this, you know, okay, this is a great thing. This is a step in the right direction. Um, but I'm hearing you kind of, kind of point to something that's saying a little bit otherwise. So would you mind expounding on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so th there was a bill that was actually passed by the U.S. House of Representatives, um, H.R. 5, um, which was named the Parent Bill of Rights, which uh, in fact was a, a bill that would have allowed and encouraged uh, bans on t different types of books and different types of curriculum across the country. Uh, it would have done a couple of, of things that you know we agree with, like creating more opportunities for financial transparency in districts. Um, but nowhere in the bill was there anything about monitoring student progress, uh, parents getting communication about their students' academic progress, um, 
nothing, you know, committing to to parents and students that they will be on grade level when they're supposed to be, which we think is something that could be an actual right for parents. Um, instead, it was it was called the Parent Bill of Rights, but in fact, uh, what it really was was an opera, you know, an attempt to incite culture wars across the country um, and empower. Um, voices that are not often, not normally the majority, uh, which are parents that are concerned about, you know, specific topics being taught in classrooms. Um, but the, the polling shows that parents do not support banning of curriculums or books, especially when it's because of one parent's reaction to it, which is what this would have allowed for. So I'm going to play a short clip that was played on um, PBS NewsHour about the HR5. And, and I know your organization was also featured on that clip. I'm not playing that clip. I'm playing the initial clip where they're kind of inter talking about what is this bill. But here is the, the clip. Should parents have the right to be involved in their child's education? But what about the rights of our students? What about the rights of our young people? Why are my Republican colleagues not advocating for our students? Where House Republicans today passed what they call a priority bill. The bill is passed. It is H.R. 5, called the Parents' Bill of Rights. It would require that parents be allowed to see curriculum plans, lists of materials, and can look at any available books. Also, that they will be told about school budgets and any incidents of violence. What's your response after hearing that clip? Um, that the... Bill is meant to embolden parents across the country who are asking for book and curriculum bans. Um, and I think, you know, more generally, it was a signal uh, to states across the country um, and states where, you know, this is possible to get through um, and, you know, get a governor's signature on um, that, you know, it's it's a Republican priority right now uh, to continue down a path of limiting students' freedom to information, um, which I think is incredibly dangerous for democracy. And more generally, you know, going back to the, the issue I raised at the beginning, which is that, you know, kids across the country are really struggling with literacy. Um, what does it say about us if in this moment the, the move is to ban books and tell them that they can't read about certain materials? Um, you know, that just feels so flawed um, in so many ways. Um, but, you know, it, it's happening at a, across the country. It's happening in states. Um, I think this year there was 62 um, similar bills that were at a state level um, in 24 different states. Um, and last year, 85 um, similar bills were introduced in 26 states. Um, six of those bills were signed into law, two in Florida, obviously one of which is the Don't Say Gay bill um, and the bill that has resulted, H.R. 7, which has resulted in library books being pulled off shelves in Florida, two in Arizona, one in Georgia, and one in Louisiana. Um, and so, you know, we think that this was a deliberate signal from the House of Representatives, um, two states. Um, and unfortunately, as a result of book bans right now across the country, currently, there are 4 million kids who don't have access to the same level of education, um, educational material that their peers do because of bans of books and curriculums. So this is not something that's hypothetical. It's something that's in fact happening at a state level. Um, and this Federal bill, um, I think, continues to embolden that effort to continue to limit student freedom to access to information. So what can parents and students do? What should they be following? How can they, you know, fight back against this? And 
cipher their access. Um, yeah. Um, the first thing is monitoring uh, these different bills and opposing them when possible. Um, Future Ed uh, has a great legislative tracker on their website that we utilize to track the bills. Um, and I'm happy to share that with you all as a resource after the podcast. So you can maybe link it. Um, but they're uh, tracking bills that are happening in your state legislative session um, is incredibly important, especially if you live in a state um, that's controlled by Republicans right now, um, because the majority of these conversations are happening in Republican controlled legislatures. Um, and so tracking that um, and then if you're a parent who's living in a place where, you know, banning books has already passed in some way or another, like places like Idaho, places like Florida and Texas, um, really becoming an active participant in your school board um, conversations is, is equally as important. Um, in Florida, for example, you know, we've seen um, different uh, school boards ban different types of books, um, and that's all subject to community input. Um, they have to produce a banned book list. Um, and so really being aware of, of what's happening um, and opposing and objecting whenever possible. If, if you're a parent who shares the belief that your child deserves to learn everything that kids in other states get, should be are learning, um, I would say that's the biggest thing. And obviously, you know, follow National Parents Union um, and and work with us, become a member of National Parents Union because we this is something that we are actively engaged in and fighting um, every day. Ariel, you brought up Florida's bill, and I, I want to dive further into that with you because I've, I've heard in different spaces that sometimes we can perceive um, or sometimes the argument against that bill is that we are all, and I'll include myself here, as over-dramatizing the impact of it. Now, obviously, I don't agree with that, but on the surface, the bill seemed to be about trying to prevent access to pornography and some general idea, general concepts to students at certain ages, although we are now learning that they are extending that to older grades now. But Ariel, how do you respond to those that try to paint the picture that at a state level, this is done to the protection of children, when in reality, as you mentioned about, about essentially don't say gay as a concept here, what really is going on when you have a bill like that that's trying to limit access to information for kids? Yeah, I mean, using um, the legislation in Florida um, sort of as an example, um, as it's sort of upheld as as a um, sort of exemplar for Republicans across the country. Um, in that scenario, um, all books were pulled off of shelves in libraries, um, not just banned books, you know, and um, because they have to be reviewed by a media specialist before they are allowed back into libraries. And so as you can imagine, um, you know, schools with limited capacity across the state um, struggled to get their books back on bookshelves um, and are still struggling um, and, you know, don't want to be criminalized as a result of putting the wrong books on their bookshelves. Um, and so, I would say that that's been the impact in Florida is that it's it's much more far reaching um, than perhaps what it was intended to do, which is to, you know, um, help maintain kids innocence. Um, it's, you know, they're banning books like Harriet the Spy, um, which I would say is uh, not a book that, are you know, has pornography in it, certainly. Um, and, you know, I think also thinking about that logic right that like we're banning books with pornography like what school librarian 
do you know is like I know what I'm putting in my library today like that's not going to happen um it's not happening because you know, there there were adults at the helm who were already making sound decisions about what types of books are appropriate for our school libraries. Um, and those adults, you know, believe that teaching African-American studies should also be a part of that conversation. And what this book, what this ban has done um, is, is ban books about race, ban books about gender identity, um, and more far-reaching, ban entire curriculums like AP African-American history. Um, and so, and I would say this is a, you know, an attempt to expand um, control over what kids are learning and what people, what information people have access to in Florida, which I think is very dangerous. I'm curious um, to hear more about um, partnership. So amidst all of these challenges, amidst all of um, these attempts to really get in the way of democracy at the end of the day um, and to get in the way of autonomy of families to have their children have the experiences in schools that they like, that they want, um, what are the ways that you're seeing parents are actually um, taking action? So I, I guess what I'm asking is like some of the results that you're seeing as a, as a part of the work that you all are doing at MPU. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that the first is that HR5 is will not advance to the Senate. Um, and that was, I think, part of, part of it is because we uh, conduct a monthly poll every month and have done so for the last 30 months at National Parents Union. And our polling was really clear um, that not only is this something that parents oppose, but it's it's really not great for anybody's politics to, to ban books. And so I, the, our hope is that, you know, through the pushback um, that we can push forward a bipartisan effort to get back on track and to start talking about what students actually need right now, which is accelerated learning. It's tutoring. Um, you know, it's additional layers of support in classrooms. It's high quality curriculums. Um, and so, you know, we hope that through our polling, um, we've really demonstrated that not only is book banning uh, dangerous for democracy, it's also not great for anyone's politics. Um, and so I think that's worth noting. Um, and I think that in terms of, of other partnerships and ways that you know, we're seeing people push back, um, you know, huge shout out to the ACLU, um, who has filed a lawsuit in Oklahoma, um, excuse me, in Missouri, um, and previously in Oklahoma, I believe in 2022. Um, we're working right now on potentially um, filing something in Florida alongside families um, in an effort to, you know, file an injunction to stop the implementation of the book banning law. Um, and so, you know, Huge shout out to legal advocates across the country who are doing this work, um, because unfortunately, you know, once the law is passed, the best way to fight back is either to litigate or to get new people elected. Um, and we are down for both of those causes at MPU. Ariel, this past week, actually, this was on a Friday, the, the Guardian had reported that recent school board elections in Illinois and Wisconsin were going the way of people that I would argue think more along our lines, um, really a, a loss for Moms for Liberty and organizations like that. Is your experience with NPU right now, just looking at the political landscape, that there seems to be some pushing back at the legislative level? You just mentioned the defeat, the income, the ensuing defeat of HR5 at the Senate. Um, but what's the temperature you're seeing? Because it seems like last year we definitely felt 
this pushback, starting with the election in Virginia, where Governor Yunkin had won with that discussion about in the suburbs of critical race theory and things like that throughout really 2022. But with these recent school board elections, what's the temperature you're getting uh, from those you associate with um, about is there a shift in the nation that there is starting to be pushback against this without, for lack of a better phrase, a conservative approach to trying to have more control over uh, what students have access to in schools? It's dependent on the state. Um, I think that I think that people are waking up to the fact that as a result of these conversations happening, um, you know, the culture wars are entering our classrooms, right? Like, whereas before they were not in our classrooms um, at the same level, right? Like there wasn't debates about which books we should be reading and whose history we should be learning um, in the same way. Um, and I think that as a result of a lot of this legislation, it's actually caused more distraction. And that's a huge turnoff for parents that are worried that their kids aren't going to be prepared for their future. Um, and so I think that that is, is something that we're seeing. Um, I think that it also depends on the level of organizing happening in different places. Um, you know, I mean, I think we're watching, our eyes are on Ohio, our eyes are on Pennsylvania. Um, and because I think if, if these conversations start to be conversations um, in places like Ohio and Pennsylvania, um, you know, maybe the tides could turn. Ariel, thank you so much for just walking us through the vastness of the shifts in in policy and legislation across the country and also providing us ways in which we can fight against some of those tides um, and where we can keep update to, as you said, monitor what's coming down the pike. Um, want to give you a few minutes here just to talk about anything else you want to share about MPU. Yeah, no, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to to be a part of the conversation. I think it's it's a really important conversation um, to be aware of. Um, I think at first when we started hearing about book bans and curriculum bans, um, you know, and, and this like anti-CRT conversation, I think people wrote it off as something that wasn't like, oh, that's not going to happen. That's something that's, you know, just those, you know, crazy extremists talking about it. But in fact, there things are advancing. I mean, so I think it's it's really important to continue to talk about. Um, and so I appreciate the opportunity. I think, you know, I just want to reiterate that in addition to the conversations about intellectual freedom that we should be having across the country and fighting back, I think it's also really important to keep our eye on, um, you know, ensuring that every student has access to an equitable and excellent education, um, which is not the case across the country right now. There are still kids that don't have access to great school choices. There are still kids that, you know, don't have high quality reading curriculums across this, their states and high quality math curriculums across their state and, and you know, high impact tutoring programs. And so I would say, you know, as folks are fighting back um, and, you know, asking lawmakers to refocus, what we would ask is that you ask your decision makers in your state, your district decision makers, your state level decision makers, and your congressional representatives to focus on what really matters to families, which is getting their kids prepared for the future. Um, and, you know, that's something that continues to be a priority for National Parents Union and for parents across the country. Awesome. Thank you. And thanks for that call to action. Uh, we appreciate having you here today, Ariel, and look forward to future conversations. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to the Educate Us podcast. Subscribe to the show, available wherever you listen to podcasts. And please, please, please leave us a review or comment wherever you can. We want to hear from you. If you have a question, comment, or any concerns, or just want to be part of the conversation, email us at theeducateusshow at gmail.com. This has been a production of Leon Media Network. I'm Nick Saveri. I'm Patrice Vincent. And I'm Stacey Schultz. We'll see you next time.